Alright, alright. Third time's the charm. It's a beautiful thing. It is that time of the week. It is your weekly dose of monkey business. I am your host. As always, my name is John Paul George and Ringo. Wait, hang on a second. No. I'm Pete Best. You're Pete Best. <laughs> Actually, I think you would be more along the lines of the um the, the guy who's like the brains behind it all. What was his name? The oh, Brian Epstein. There you go, Epstein. Thank okay. you. I couldn't think of that name for a moment. So here we are in the studios of WFC3. We're hanging out for our usual uh, entertainment. We're entertaining ourselves. And uh, in the studio with me, as always, is the media legend, Billy DeTori. Huh? What? The slightly legendary, but getting in there, like her stars on the rise, Tanya Metris. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Our producer, Sherry. Hello. And associate producer, Chris, is here. Hello. We're missing a Rob, but we have a Dolly. Hi. Hi, Dolly. And handling all of the one-liners, zingers, and bad puns will be uh, be Captain Zach over there. Hello, and thank you for my tenure here because I'm getting fired after this one. Though. Probably it's probably <laughs> it's, it's it's after <laughs> and during during, during. during. I'm a statement. Uh, so let's start off with some business. Our Patreon is starting to get some ground going. It, there's some people hanging out and checking it out and and uh, and noticing what we're doing over there. So thank you very much to especially to our very first Patreon subscriber, the young Miss Sarah Elizabeth. Thank you, Sarah Elizabeth. We love you dearly. And uh, and as a matter of fact, on the day that we're recording this, which is what it was today, the twenty sixth, it's it's Sarah's birthday today. So a huge happy birthday to Sarah. And also on the list of people to throw shout-outs in the general direction of is a name that's familiar to uh, to Zach over here. That's right. It's Alan Upsitnik. That's right. The old man himself. The old man himself is, is actually supporting us, so we really, truly appreciate it, Al. And uh, we hope you're feeling better quick. We heard you had a little, um, some bionics. Uh, we'll, we'll make them b- bigger, stronger, faster. Is that what's going on? Well, hopefully he'll be in the next Olympics. The next Olympics. Higher, faster, stronger. No, there, he's, there it he's is. doing well. I saw him over Thanksgiving. Everything is on the up and up. Outstanding. Well, men fast, Alan, and thank you, sir, for your support. If you are interested in joining us on Patreon and subscribing to our podcast and all the extra good stuff that goes with it, you can find us on the Patreon website under FC3. ROC. If you're also interested in sponsoring or advertising outside of Patreon, you can reach out to us at sponsors at fc3roc.com. And now the business is out of the way. We're moving on. And today's topic is going to be fun. This is kind of cool because I've always kind of been tinkering with the idea of getting into this particular culture myself. In the studio today, we have none other than Eric Brewer. Mr. Brewer, among his many talents, is one of the heads. Is the head or one of the heads? I'm just an instigator. An instigator. <laughs> oh, we like you already. He is an instigator <laughs> of the Rochester Steampunks. And, and Eric has agreed to come in today to tell us a bit about Steampunk, what it is, what it was, and what it will be. And uh, and so and Eric, your your alter ego is, is I think I wrote this down correctly, Professor Vertigus Wetware. Did I get that right? Yes, sir. And what's up? Uh, and what's the professor's uh, his his idiom there? Uh, well, Professor Vertigris Wetware is the uh, superintendent of the Mechanicsburg Asylum for the Wrathful and Sullen. Okay. Uh, also, consult at the um, uh, county home for the inconvenient. Okay. Um, <laughs> and is a uh, an alienist, um, uh, 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 specialist in nervous and mental diseases. I want all of our listeners to He'll appreciate. Right yeah, because I want all of our listeners need to take note of where those places are and those places in history because this is where the entire cast of Monkey Business will be winding up, <laughs> probably in <laughs> the next few us. years. Come visit us, especially your beloved host, me. All right, so so Eric, steampunk. Tell tell me a little bit more about it. What is, what is steampunk? Oh dear. Um, well, many things. Um, as a word, it was coined in. About 1987, mm-hmm. by a science fiction writer named K.W. Jader, okay. describing the work that he and his three drinking buddies, um, uh, Tim Powers and um, uh, 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 James Blaylock, uh, were writing in a environment of placing science fiction inside a Victorian context and okay. aesthetic. The um, uh, uh, big thing in science fiction at the time was cyberpunk, right? Um, which everybody knows about. Oh, yeah. Neuromancer is still on my list of books to read. Wonderful book. And he wrote a uh, letter to his editor at Locus, uh, speculating that the next big thing it would be um, neo-Victorian science fiction, mm-hmm. something like, oh, I don't know, steampunk. 
and just threw off the word. Okay. Um, the thing is, the word described something that had been around for quite a while before that. Right. Well, it's Jules Verne, H.G. Wells. It kind of dabbles in it, doesn't it? Is that kind of touch it? Is it? Or those granddaddies? Well, they're granddaddies. Uh -huh. They were Victorian-era science fiction okay. writers. Uh, there was nothing neo-Victorian about them. They were gotcha. right in the midst of it. But that look has been there. Um, uh, the uh, Disney 2001 League Under the Sea. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. um, uh, uh, the Wild Wild West, um, the um, uh, uh, last scene in um, uh, uh, a time travel trilogy. Mm -hmm. So uh, the word now finally existed to describe a thing okay. that people regarded as cool. And, and now, so the neo-Victorian... That's applying like modern sensibilities to a, an era of the late 1800s, I'm assuming. Or bringing the design sensibilities okay. of the mid to late 1800s forwards into science fiction. Okay. Um, and also into fashion, into art. Um, around the time uh, the word was dropped, mm -hmm. um, the Internet started doing things. This is the beginning of the rise of social media okay. and the sharing of visual images uh, uh, over social media was it, what you did. You mm -hmm. scroll, you well, it's pretty. And the steampunk aesthetic um, is striking. Um, it's pretty, mm -hmm. and it was something somewhat familiar because most people had seen something of that before. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, they, this started to feed into the internet too, and <coughs> and and you you go all in with it. I'm, I'm like, you're sitting across the table from me today as as a proper gentleman. You know the the, the aesthetic of. Of how you you carry yourself is this something you've carried not only just it's not a hobby this is kind of a lifestyle for you am I, am I understanding that correctly yes I mean I mm -hmm. it's an organizing theme for mm -hmm. how I cut my mustache how mm -hmm. I do my facial hair um, the way I dress and mm -hmm. uh, the cufflings I would choose in the morning right and, uh, how I would tie my necktie so mm -hmm. uh, you, you, one has to do this as an organizing aesthetic. There are many different yeah. ones, no one more valid or not than any other. Right. Uh, this happens to work for me. That's outstanding. I know. Outstanding. I'm like looking at his tie right now, and uh -huh. I just love how the knot is up at the neck of how it looks like it's braided. Or mm -hmm. It's called an eldritch knot. Eldritch. Eldritch. Okay. Very it's cool. It's really cool. Now, 1987, the word is coined, and it starts to kind of... Uh, integrate itself into modern culture with the internet and whatnot. You discover this when? Well, let's see. Um, uh, uh, for me, uh, mustache wax mm. was a gateway drug. <laughs> <laughs> Back when I was an undergraduate. Okay. That is a long, long time ago. Yeah, 1993, 94? Um, that era. <laughs> or earlier. Okay. Um, so I'd always liked the Victorian look. Okay. Um, and I'd hang around in um, uh, uh, consignment clothing places mm -hmm. looking for a nice uh, vest or waistcoat. Mm -hmm. um, had that. Um, at one point in my life, um, I was wearing entirely too much black. And We're all guilty wife, of that at one point or another. You're fortunately, my wife reminded me that, uh, uh, no, you're not a goth. <laughs> you're steampunk, if anything. I actually once heard steampunk described as when goth found brown. <laughs> well, you know, um, uh, 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 both share an appreciation for the Victorian aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Goth comes from its own origins. It has its own aesthetic. It came out of a music and club scene. Right. Um, which steampunk, more than anything else, comes out of a science fiction visual aesthetic. Mm -hmm. So uh, there are differences, but uh, you go to steampunk conventions and uh, 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 goths are fine with wearing leather. 
Uh, so they do tend to come in um, and feel comfortable in that environment. One of the leading steampunk bands is Abney Park, and they started in the goths club scene. I have heard of them, yeah. And they've moved out in other directions. Um, uh, 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 steampunk sort of has this magpie aesthetic about it, so picks bits and pieces from elsewhere. So Abney Park, uh, they, they, they've gotten into circus music. They've gotten into world music. <clears throat> um, there are many other steampunk bands uh, as well, but uh, they started in the goth scene. I see. Now, like, is Abney Park... Pardon my my minimalist way of putting this, but uh, are they kind of like the Led Zeppelin of the steampunk uh, steampunk movement at the moment? Or I think they're one of the first bands to uh-huh. self consciously identify as steampunk. Okay, um, there are others, uh-huh. but um, uh, uh, they're the most well known. Gotcha, and uh, have the one of the larger fan presences. Okay, so you're. We'll take you back in time just a little bit. So you're you're an undergrad, and you're discovering that whole Victorian aesthetic. Steampunk is still a little ways off in terms of an actual living term at this point. And and a lot of Jules Verne, a lot of H.G. Wells, a lot of the, those writers are, are on your shelf, I'm assuming, at this uh, point? Yes. I'm mm-hmm. an old-line science fiction nerd. Okay. So you'll also find um, Isaac Asimov, mm-hmm. Robot. Uh, you'll find um, uh, uh, Heinlein. Um, you'll find um, Jerry Pournell. Um, certainly you'll find Tolkien as well. Oh, yeah. Um, only. And uh, uh, Ursula Le Guin. Um, mm-hmm. So my early con going mm-hmm. was the old line science fiction conventions. Okay. Uh, doing cosplays of Ming the Merciless and... Uh, uh, as part of a Buck Rogers, uh-huh. and, uh, uh, a high priest of Cthulhu, and that sort of thing. And well, now you're Zach's best friend over there. That's <laughs> definitely good. you got his attention. There we go. So now, so I'm assuming that basically there were clubs and there was gatherings that you know, and you said old line conventions, things. So you, this was not something like suddenly everything was embodied in 1987 and you're off and running. There was stuff going on beforehand. Yes, I. Uh, other writers um, started writing um, neo-Victorian mm-hmm. uh, themed uh, science fiction. Um, some very good, a lot of it Drek. Mm. Um, uh, uh, it had always been there as something cool looking. So uh, uh, you find a lot of steampunk elements and say Hellboy, in mm-hmm. the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so people, once it gets out on the internet, um, it's impossible to trace anything. Um, but uh, people started showing up at science fiction conventions, at um, uh, manga, anime, and gaming conventions in a steampunk aesthetic, mm-hmm. and then spun off its own conventions as mm-hmm. well. I think that's the first time I remember seeing it was, ooh, I want to say a good 20 plus years ago, and I was at Sterling Renaissance Festival, and here I am dressed in my garb appropriate for, for a Renaissance Festival, and, and everybody was doing the same for the most part, except for like that, that 1%, there was a couple of people who were fashioned in such a fa- in, in such a way that it was like, wait a minute, that looks out of place, but it's very cool. I want to get to know more about it. And of course, as soon as you engage them, they, they're in character and this, yeah, and they, they just write out of HG Wells's time, tra- you know, the, the time machine book. And they're talking to you like that, like they're Victorian and they've come back just to check things out. So it's, it was, that was my first brush with it. I'm like, nah, I need to know more about this. And, and that's when I learned that word steampunk so for me it was it was a whole introduction right there at the beginning of the current movement but you were in it long before that and so my my question is this um when that word hits the hits the scene and and it's suddenly now now other people are learning about this and you've been kind of in this culture all along 
How does, how does that, 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 the creation that exists, that coming into existence of that word, how does that solidify things for you? Does that, where does that, where do you go from when you, when you hear it the first time? My experience is similar to that of several, of, of many other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had been sort of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the word comes by and somebody says, you're, oh, that's steampunk. You're doing steampunk mm-hmm. and you've not heard it before uh-huh. and then you look it up on the internet by george i guess i have been there you go um the uh, uh, uh rap artist professor elemental um, oh really oh that's his story uh, he hadn't known what steampunk was but somebody let him know that yes that is what you're doing okay uh, uh whether you know it or not so uh he had that Victorian aesthetic and uh, uh, his own odd sense of humor and his rap stylings. Uh-huh. And he put out his video, um, A Cup of Brown Joy, and, uh, and people said, oh, that's what you are. Oh, that, I guess so then. So uh, it's, it's a fairly common origin tale for steampunks mm-hmm. that we had been doing it for a while okay. already. And then suddenly it's like, oh, you've given me this legitimacy that I already had. Mm, there we go. Hey. I don't need your permission, but thank you. Hey, for much appreciated. Good, thank you for the search term. There you go. Now, now it makes it easier <laughs> to find on the internet now. Now, steampunk in uh, more recent pop culture is, is wicked. Sort of a steampunk feel. The book, I, I sort of got that feel as I read the book. Well, it's a Victorian wicked. book. Um, Oz is a Victorian book. So if you're doing set design, you're looking for something, um, certainly, uh, because you're looking, the set designers are looking for something visual and something visually striking. Mm-hmm. Um, they could use that for Wicked. Um, uh, uh, locally, a couple of years ago at the Fringe Festival, they had a wonderful staging of The Tempest uh, in Steampunk. Huh. That's cool. Are you familiar with the uh, series of comics that have come out basing more recent characters in a steampunk Victorian era, Green Green Hornet, Red Sonia, Batman, uh, um, Vampirella? Mm -hmm. All have steampunk comic uh, comic books, legendary, D-E-R-R-Y, legendary. Uh And they're they're kind of fun. So so others are kind of bringing themselves to the... The, the steampunk aesthetic? Yes. Okay. Do do you find that now that you've got this search term and uh, you have a little bit more of an eyesight of what the rest of the the world is doing when it comes to this particular culture, are you finding that it has like a title kind of way of it comes and it goes? Are there is it, there's, it wanes and it gets really popular but then fades off? Or Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if you... Go back to uh, go back to Google, mm-hmm. and you can. Um, it will very easily graph any search term you want. Okay. And so, for several years, it almost looked exponential with the use of people searching for steampunk. <laughs> um, it's leveled off. It's going down. Those who are interested in it probably have figured it out already. Right. Um, I don't think we were ever really meant to take over the world. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's going to go away. No. Uh, people have been saying goth is dead for how many decades now? And Several. They just look that way. <laughs> but, uh, actually, it's a very, very creative and vital um, community. Yeah. Uh, and steampunk will remain so as well. Um, and now the club itself, Rochester Steampunks, yes. how long has that been active at this point? Oh, Year. Um, five, six years, okay. seven years, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, uh, uh, we're a loose collection. Okay. Um, we gather about quarterly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Knox seems to be the most um, uh, uh, congenial place we found to get together. They're, they're great. That's that's one of our, our, we call it our living room. We have a lot of meetings and hangouts there. I was just there the other night. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful spot. Their new annex is yes. Uh, yes. wonderfully Victorian decorated. Oh, I'm sure you, you feel right at home there. Absolutely. 
Well, it, it's designed after uh, Sherlock Holmes's flat. Okay. That so it's the the wallpaper, the wallpaper and stuff and is the decor, all the fireplace. Sherlock Holmes, Victorian England, which then fits in perfectly with our friends at the Great Escape Room yes. because they have their whole Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes, Holmes aesthetic as well. So we can. I know. I was just talking to Aaron uh, Friday night mm-hmm. and saying that we were going to have Eric in the studio. He goes, oh, okay. I love Eric. It's so. awesome. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> They're on their way to Disney currently. Now, as a club, is it basically just a, a group of like-minded folks? You can just talk about things. Do you help each other with designs and whatnot? Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, we'll bring uh, work in progress mm-hmm. to show off or brag about. Um, sometimes we'll get together outside to uh, go to an event or have a picnic. We uh, sort of ha- if a couple of us show up simultaneously at a given event, we add a little bit of color to it. Okay. Um, uh, uh, we do again. It's very visual, so it attracts the eye. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we've been you know, kindly invited to a number of things. Uh, 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 our most recent was at the uh, Rochester Mini Maker Fair. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Uh, at the convention center. Uh, which is very important with steampunk because one of the things I think that helped it take off is that we'd also bumped into the maker movement. Okay. Um, the aesthetic can serve as an organizing theme mm-hmm. for people whose maker interests, maker skills are in a number of different areas. Mm-hmm. So instead of, well, everybody here does woodworking, it's now... Every well, that person does woodworking. That person does metalworking. This person is three D printing. That person is quilting and sewing. But uh, the organizing theme is it's all steampunk. Okay. Um, so one of the things that exists in steampunk is a bit of a reaction against the mass produced, the mass uh, marketed. Right. Um, The more handcrafted you're pushing towards? The Victorian aesthetic of arts and crafts Uh was just before um, the industrial design movement. Okay. So it was very much the individual craftsperson um, uh, doing what they could for the aesthetic. Mm -hmm. So particularly when starting out, of course now – Everything is there on Etsy, uh, even if it ought not to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, there is the song by Sir Reginald Pike Devant, just glue some gears on it and call it steampunk. I've heard uh, I've heard that phrase, actually. I don't know if I've heard the song, but... Yeah, it's, you, you, you do need to hear the song. Yeah, okay. You also see a number of his other videos, which are hysterically funny. Um, he has a wonderful voice, too. Um, but... Um, uh, and he comes out of the British music hall tradition as a steampunk pr- uh, performer. Uh-huh. But uh, you know, we collided with the maker movement. Um, so uh, from people who like custom fitting their own cars to people who like making their own jewelry, mm-hmm. again, it serves as an organizing principle around yes. which you can base um, you can get ideas, you can get themes, and go to town with it. That's cool. That is very cool. Now, um, what? two project questions. First of which is, what is the favorite thing that you yourself have, have crafted or have come up with? Oh, dear. Um, probably the most iconic that I've done uh-huh. is I figured out how to mount a working clock in a top hat. Oh, wow. I saw that picture. Uh, and it, it was amazing. That's what I was talking about earlier. Was that the that, picture from the Maker's Fair that you yes, were the, talking the, about? Yes, okay. the hat with the um, gear, the clock on it and the goggles. Okay. I was like, I, I was like ooh. Um, Is that uh, uncomfortable to wear, or you've got it kind of downs where you're used to it? Well, I, I, I've used a quartz movement. I considered using a um, uh, uh old-time clockwork, uh-huh. um, which strictly would have been better, but in order to get it large enough, the thing is going to weigh several pounds. And uh, Oh, okay, I see it. Tanya's called up a picture. The other 
thing I had to face was whether or not to make it use alarm chimes. <laughs> but I tend towards migraine, so the idea of the Westminster chimes going off between my <laughs> eyes on the hour and a half hour yeah, probably just, not exactly just wasn't on. And the alternative was cuckoo. And <laughs> consider that I am a psychiatrist both in my uh, day-to-day life and in my steampunk per- wow. persona. Uh, that. That just seemed to be bad form. (laughs) (laughs) Zach, do you have a question? uh, To kind of back up to, you mentioned uh, the 3D printing and all that. Do you feel that as the 3D printing has become more user-friendly and prevalent (laughs) that it's a good thing for the movement? Or is it kind of uh, cheapening it to a degree because it makes things a lot easier to manufacture instead of putting in a lot more work and having it really be a personal creation, as it were. If 3D printing was easy, I would be doing it. Um, (laughs) So I think that people who do good quality 3D printing will say, you you think it's easy? Okay, here's a terminal. Go right to it, sir. I'll I'll, I'll be in the background having a cup of coffee and, you know, uh, when you crash your system or create a burning, smoldering hunk of junk, uh, <laughs> you know, you'll tell me how easy it is. So uh, you have to do the design. You have to realize it in a way. Um, so uh, you can do very good quality 3D printing with a lot of um, sculpting in it and design, or you could do garbage if you want, uh, and I'm sure people do. But uh, So you can do poor quality oil painting as well. Uh, just, <laughs> just go I'm, I'm good at that. Just give me oil sale. paints and I'll look like Jackson Pollock had a really bad day. Yeah. That's that's basically that's the sum total of my well, artistic quality. What I quality. liked when I because we were at the Rochester Mini Maker Fair also, but we were across <laughs> the way from you guys, um, just yeah, looking. Pollock had a good day. Uh, just looking at the yeah, repurposing sorry. of like the Nerf guns and things like that, and making it steampunk rather than it being the big orange mega Nerf gun. Now it's been repurposed to be a steampunk one. And I'm just, it was just just amazing to just see the craftsmanship that went in that because yeah. you have to be creative just modding and artistic that stuff, yeah. and stuff in order to take something that's already been one thing and then repurpose it into something else. There's a lot of found object work in steampunk, um, uh, including found objects being what you find at your desk, what you find at your workstation. Uh, so one of the found objects was a high-end gaming console um, that uh, uh, Jay spent a lot of time and a lot of creativity feeling out, figuring out how to give it a steampunk aesthetic mm-hmm. and uh, uh, work that in. So that was uh, his item as well. And that's a picture of that right now. I see it. That's, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had it with him at the Maker's Fair, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. All right. Um, no, go ahead. When we first started learning about steampunk, and we used to look up a lot of things, and one of, th- one of my favorite things that I ever saw that was modded was a regular keyboard that was modded to look like um, a typewriter. Mm-hmm. It was just an amazing piece, and it, ne- and it stuck with me for years. That piece um, and the maker who made it have a interesting history and unfortunately a sad one. Um, the artist got, um, uh, uh, he died a number of years ago uh, under very unfortunate situation um, long before uh, he, and he, he a light went out of the world. Uh, That was owned at the time by Thomas Willerford, who is one of the better known um, uh, steampunk makers uh, who's currently active. And uh, he auctioned it off online with the proceeds going back to the family of the artist who made it. But uh, that was a, his his work was wonderful, 
a technomancer, I believe, is uh, <laughs> what he went by. I like the names. And technomancer. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a certain <clears throat> there's an aesthetic that that you know what in my personal opinion, and I've I've often thought this. There's a certain um, attitude and aesthetic that steampunk brings back to this modern time that you know we the society could probably live very happily integrating that back in you know yeah, there's a certain way of looking at the world yeah of. you know it's it's we've we've gotten so used to uh belittling intelligence and and class and style and dignity and here's this culture that is all about class and style and dignity and, and imagination and that's that's one of the things that i've always really appreciated about steampunk there's a bit of a reaction uh, against the rise of the schlub. Yeah. Um, the rise of the um, uh, uh, very informal aesthetic. Uh-huh. Um, the, uh, uh, everything looking like a beige box. Um, so uh, we do get fussy. Um, one of the things we try to keep in mind is that essentially steampunk is daffy. Um, mm-hmm. it, 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 it embraces a, itself as such. That's good. Once, once we lose that or try to start taking ourselves very seriously, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, it, it would just be obnoxious. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so the, the, the sort of odd names that people give themselves um, do come out of that. Um, but uh, the, 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 the end point, I think, of any fandom fundamentally has to be to have fun. Right. Um, once you lose track of that, once you start getting angry about, no, 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 it's not the other. The new kids uh, who walk across my lawn aren't doing it right. You know, then you've really lost the whole point of that. Gotcha. Thing. And have you had moments like that where you've had kind of like, and then you have to stop and step back and think, okay, wait a second, you know, let me reassess what I'm doing here. Myself, not so. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think so. I, I try to be interested in what other people are doing. Okay. Um, it certainly has brought me in contact with people whose interests I would not have wound up coming in contact with them mm-hmm. before. Um, folks who are just very into um, engine modifications, folks who are very into doing things involving um, uh, steelwork and blow torches mm-hmm. in their houses and kitchens. Um, uh, uh, people who are into interior design and decorating. Um, so I, it really, I find, has broadened my experience and outlook. I would not have encountered the, uh, uh, the Lolitas um, otherwise. And, uh, you know, all their own thing and all very mm-hmm. creative. Um, so it's, 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 it's really been a, a good way for me to explore. One of the things for me has been um, because it does trace back to an earlier historical era, mm-hmm. it's been a very useful organizing principle for me to explore my own profession um, and where that comes from. Okay. Uh, the <coughs> character, the persona uh, is a um, uh, asylum superintendent, an alienist. As I said, I am a psychiatrist. That's how I spend my work days and what I do. And it's been a good way to really look back mm-hmm. at where my own profession really came from, mm-hmm. where the ideas that animate my own profession really come from. So, um, when I've appeared at steampunk conventions as a panelist, um, what I have is a presentation on the Victorian-era lunatic asylum. Um, and I use the word lunatic because that's what they called them at mm-hmm. the time. Uh, what I do with the talk is compare and contrast the 19th century um, sense of responsibility 
towards people with mental illnesses. With the 21st century, um, you're on your own. Mm -hmm. uh, 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 lack of responsibility. So uh, I, one of the things I had was very conscious of in developing that talk <coughs> is I would be giving it to audiences um, who just on a basis of statistics, a fair number I knew were going to have experienced mental health care from the other side of the nurse's station and then the one I'm customarily on. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I'm very honored that I have had a number of people come up to me and say they felt good after hearing my talk. Um, but uh, many aspects of uh, our own practice in mental health treatment um, do date back to ideas from the 19th century. So it's been a, um, it's been a vehicle for me in that way. I was going to ask you something about that, because you, when you had mentioned earlier in the interview about your character and your professional life share that common thread, and I was going to ask something along the lines of, of do you find you using steampunk to associate with, with patients? I don't, well, you know, they, to look at me, you'll see I've got, I, I wear a waxed mustache, mm -hmm. I, I wear mutton chops. Um, the uh, facility I work with, I work with a patient population that, you know, in fact, does appreciate um, uh, 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 facial hair. Mm -hmm. um, uh, many of the men have beards, mustaches, because it's a military uh, tradition. Okay. Uh, facial hair is a military tradition. That's why, that's why Amish men don't wear mustaches because uh, it, 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 uh, uh, they're peaceful people mm -hmm. and mustaches are, uh, at the time that their faith was developing, um, uh, was associated with the military. Oh, I see. Okay. That's, that's, I learned something new today. So, um, which I would not really have known had I not sort of investigated that mm -hmm. uh, uh, through the steampunk. But um, so where it comes in is uh, uh, 19th century um, mental health treatment started with radical respect. Uh -huh. And a sense that because they did not have medications, they all they had was certain notions uh, that in that era came out of um, uh, some liberal Christian denominations, um, uh, Universalist, Unitarian, and Quaker, mm -hmm. of looking for the light within, and uh, instead of chaining beating and manacling the mad to try to get them to behave better, just simply accept them. Mm -hmm. I accept that they have uh, they have creatures of God as well as you are, and try to figure out a way that they can live a life. Mm -hmm. um, it led to the construction of the asylums, which were to be asylums from the 19th century and a return to an earlier bucolic rural environment. Mm. Uh, so the idea was uh, respect, good treatment, uh, productive work in a um, healthy environment, uh, plentiful if, 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 if somewhat bland food, um, and an organized day mm -hmm. um, would have a positive influence on people. They're right, certainly it couldn't have hurt. Right. So many of the ideas of the therapeutic community, um, the um, uh, uh, therapeutic work, pet therapy, um, uh, uh, social rhythm therapy, uh, that now exist in bits and pieces in mental health care okay. um, come from the 19th century asylum. And so we see that evolution 
even going through today, or is it is a we see threads, we see a crumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that these are available mm. now in um, gold-plated, very expensive institutions yes. that are not available to people without um, heritage trust funds. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, the ideas still remain. Okay. And that's... I'll tell you that that was that's a learning experience right there, but it also kind of crystallizes that which we have we 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 have seen a lot of, and we've talked about amongst ourselves usually during like you know hey what are we going to talk about what are we going to talk about, and uh, there's there's a lot of topics there that can they need a lot more spotlight put on them I think in my opinion. Yeah, steampunk is um, another community we sort mm-hmm. of uh, uh, rubbed up against and um, interpenetrated with are people who do historical reenacting. Okay. Um, the largest historical reenacting community in the United States is Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, now, steampunks don't have to worry about, um, you know, it, 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 is the fly on my trousers historically accurate? <laughs> um, but uh, people who do historical reenacting can take many of the things they have in their closets anyway and bring that in. Uh, so steampunks do have an interest in history. Mm-hmm. At least many of us do. Uh, again, many of the panels you'll go to at a steampunk convention are of historical interest. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. Now, uh, say Zach here and his epic beard wants to get in uh, involved with uh, with steampunk and uh, in the Rochester Steampunk Club. How would he go about doing that? I look at our Facebook page. Okay. Uh, you do a Facebook search for Rochester Steampunks. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, open group. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd look at the events, and you'll see our next event is um, uh, early December uh, at Knox. Uh, okay. It gives a time, 7.30. Um, so that's where we would gather. And then if we're doing other things, um, one or another of us will largely put it on that page. Very good. And and very non-judgmental group. So we could walk in not really knowing what we're doing and, and very well be welcomed with open arms. Steambook has to be non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. It really does. It does not have an ideological core. Okay. Punk has an ideological core. Right. It's a political movement. Um, but uh, you will find Wiccan steampunks. You will find evangelical steampunks. You will find... Um, uh, 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 people on the left end of the mm-hmm. spectrum, you'll find people who are Trump voters. <laughs> um, there's an old Victorian principle. You don't, in polite company, you don't talk about religion. You don't talk about politics. Um, so Just enjoy each other's company and we, leave it at that. We leave it at that. Um, there are... Uh, 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 so we, we've largely been able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are steampunk bands that come out of the punk tradition, the men who will not be blamed for nothing. <laughs> uh, they're very explicitly political. Okay. Um, but you, there's no requirement that you listen to the band in order to be <laughs> a steampunk. Uh, there's a strong recommendation from me that you do, um, but uh, uh, because they are funny and delightful, and okay. if you haven't seen their video, the Gin Song, uh, you need to do that before the day is the Gin Song. Gin. Gin. Okay. I'm jotting that down for myself. I did look up the lyrics in the song and uh, just glue some gears on it and call it steampunk. I okay, you found up. the lyrics for it? Yes. I mean, I mean, I ask you the question about the welcoming nature of it because one of the things that's very important to us as we run Flower City Comic Con is, is the aspect of gatekeeping. And there are those who consider themselves experts, and I use air quotes when I say that, uh, you know, on their particular topics and their particular, you know, their, their focuses. And so there are times where it may be difficult for somebody who's brand new to something to enter into a fandom of some sort because there's going to be somebody there to judge them and say, no, no, you, you need to know this, 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 and this before you can hang out with us. So I like the whole, the more open arms, the more welcoming, more like we're just here to 
enjoy and and bring back a sense of kind of like just that serene dignity that that has been lost in a lot of circles. And so I do I truly appreciate how welcoming your your team has been, your people have been. Thank you. I, there there certainly are gatekeepers mm-hmm. um, in uh, uh, around in steampunk. You'll mm-hmm. uh, you'll run into them. Uh, the best way is probably to turn your chair kind of ninety degrees the other direction there you go. and talk to the <laughs> other person. Um, but uh, 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 so. The age spread is, I think, a bit larger. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, the spread of the types of music that people listen to is really quite wide mm-hmm. um, because there is no one single steampunk music or steampunk band. Um, and as I said, it started with um, the the visual aesthetic. That mm-hmm. you know, one of the legitimate critiques of steampunk is you know is there anything under the surface here um is it anything other than uh just looking pretty in a certain way um and potentially unless you decide to use it for something Mm -hmm. um uh, uh, that is a place that it can go okay um, you know, myself, it's meant other things. As mm-hmm. I, you know, I gave the example of the historical exploration that it really prompted me to do as I was developing the talks. Um, but uh, you know, other people can use it for other things. There's a sense of um, not only disability friendly, but um, uh, 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 altered ability celebration. Okay. Um, uh, uh, The phrase, wow, what a wonderful prosthesis. Um, (laughs) You could hear that at the Paralympics. You can hear it in cosplay. You can hear it in steampunk. Okay. Uh, The sense that a lot of the steampunk devices have a prosthetic look to them. Um, I was noticing that while going through some... Some pictures, and in, in especially in what I was doing my research to get ready for today. Yes, there's there is actually quite a bit that um, I wonder how much of it is costume and how much of it is actually that that person is just taking advantage of the fact that they are indeed the bearer of a prosthesis. Thomas Williford um, actually made a he made a wearable art device, mm-hmm. a wearable piece of artwork. Uh, for a person who had a, a below-knee amputation mm-hmm. uh, on commission. Um, he didn't make a medical prosthesis because he's not licensed to do so. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, it's a very interesting piece of um, wearable art. Gotcha. That's only wearable if you are that one person with that specific below-the-knee amputation. Customized. Absolutely, and that's outstanding. That that's just I see, and that's another thing I love that about the aesthetic is is it's not just the way it looks. It it's there is a function to it, and the, and it's not just a practical function, but a function of making you part of a community. Steampunk aesthetic works best if it at least looks like it's going to function. Right. Um, a, a, that's how you sort of distinguish it from just a random collection of decorative gears glued mm-hmm. onto something. Uh, although, if that's you know your, your your first costume and your first convention, certainly go right ahead. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, it's good it's good to have beginners. Yeah. If you don't, you're going to cut off your own development. Gotcha. Um, at the roots okay. and eventually wither. Um, but uh, you take something functional and make it beautiful, uh, like uh, the Datamancer um, computer keyboard. Mm-hmm. Um, the standard black Dell or HP set works entirely well uh, but if you're going to uh, fix up an old typewriter with um, uh, uh, read switches uh, so that it works um, just like uh, uh, the um, uh, uh, keyboards in uh, Terry Gillum's movie uh, Brazil. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, again, that's a very steampunk aesthetic but it came out <coughs> 
um, before steampunk itself was a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 you can go right ahead. So uh, take something functional and make it beautiful just because it's nice to be surrounded, to have beautiful things around you to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why of- I have this panel around me. You know, well, except for Zach, but... <laughs> but I, I never Especially mind. Billy, though. Especially huh? Billy. What? No. <laughs> Billy's awesome. <laughs> Ugh. There's plenty of ugly in the world. I feel we all have a responsibility <laughs> yes. to... Um, to do what we can uh, about uh, it. To do what we can to make the world a more beautiful place. Um, that, you know, and that's... I like that idea very, very much. And so we're going to... We're going to wrap on that particular thought alone. Just, just take that away. That there's, there's a lot of ugly in the world, and we, we do our part to, kind of, brush past that or change it and, and make it better and, and build and create. Each in our own way. Each in our own way. Is there like a, a like a parting, uh, like a, like a goodbye that the, the you use in your club, like a farewell that uh, a, a standard. That there isn't. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, the, 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 the old line science fiction nerds would say live long and prosper, <laughs> um, which I think is a good way that to uh, end just about anything. That works. Well, then live long and prosper, sir, and we thank you for your time today. Thank you for the opportunity. And we do appreciate it. And we hope to see you at Flower City Comic Con in June. Ooh, looking forward to that. Awesome. Outstanding. And so that is, dear listeners. <laughs> no, I hit, I, I hit a little early last a, a second ago. So. Not a problem, man. Uh, and that is your introduction to steampunk. We invite you to look into it, read about it. You December second is their uh, social at Knox. I, outstanding. So come to the, come to FC 3s living room. And uh, and partake uh, and, and, and get to meet Eric. I actually have an outfit too. I could wear. Yes, you do. I just have to find the hat and the goggles. Yes, My you kid do. Took them. And so uh, and so for for Dolly and for Zach, and for Sherry and Chris, and for Tanya and for Billy and for myself, I am Chris. And thank you again, Eric, for joining us today. Thank you so much. This has been your monkey business for the week, a product of the Flower City Comic Con and the Mighty Monkey Corporation. Purveyors and producers of the said Flower City Comic Con coming at you June 9th and 10th of 2018. Like us and find us on Facebook, and we will talk to you again next week. Bye.